Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Lethal Vendetta. Hailing from Sydney, Australia, this band comes armed with the ultimate artillery, a precise and highly effective blend of thrash, groove, and traditional metal which pays homage to the great metal titans that have come before them. Check out lethalvendetta.bigcartel.com and download their music on all digital media outlets. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Wednesday, October 23rd, 2019, and you are tuned into HTM Sports here at the HTM Podcast Network as well as online at heckerhameen.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that all of the beat of the beat. Rick Vickery back again. Hashtag HTM Sports here on the HittingTheMarks.com platform. And looking forward to this, we've got action all over the place. And we've got the NBA underway. we got the World Series is, is out of the gate here. College football is heating up. And, of course, uh, lots going around in the NFL. Uh, hell of a run you got here, Jarka. Yeah, you know, I tried to get a little bit of everything in here without getting too far into necessarily anything. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead. We'll start things off with the World Series as, as one leak is coming to an end and another one is tipping off. Uh, the World Series throwdown finally started up last night, Huckleberry. We got to see Altuve come back and just halt the Yankees' quest for number 28 with a 6-4 walk-off the other night. So now we are left with the Houston Assholes, I mean Astros, and the Washington Nationals. I guess right off the top, Huckleberry, who you got? Well, you know, I, I was actually having this conversation with my with my grandpa yesterday, and and he kind of he was kind of same mindset that I was in. I just usually when we get to the World Series and there's not anything that I have personally invested in it, uh, I tend to just go with the National League. And so I guess in this case that would be the Nationals, uh, and it would be nice to see. You know, it, it's been forever since the city's experienced anything like this for baseball, but a first for this actual franchise uh, to be here. Well, and I think that I, one of the stats I wanted to throw out there I thought was, was really remarkable as we're talking World Series and. Uh, the, the hopes of you know your Yankees chasing that that next big one, that this is the first time since 1910 that we have seen a decade without the Yankees making a World Series appearance. I, that was absolutely incredible to me. Yeah, it, that's, it's a pretty astonishing fact. He, my grandpa uh, was very very similar to yours. Um, except he would always lean towards the American League. He would always go with the American League when it came to the World Series, uh, assuming that the Yankees weren't in it. Obviously, if the Yankees were in it, we would just go with the Yankees. But he would even go one step further, and he would say it's not a real World Series if the Yankees aren't in it. So evidently, we haven't had a real World Series in 10 years. There we go. There we go. But yeah, to me, like you guys are rooting against the Astros here. To me, at least you could take some... 
some comfort knowing, well, at least we lost to the champs. Well, to be clear, I'm not pulling against the Astros. I am pulling for the Nationals, but I'm not pulling against the Astros. I'm strictly against Altuve. Uh, the Yankees come back. They tie this thing up at four in the top of the ninth the other night. And then that little bastard Altuve, he ends up going two for four, three runs scored, two RBIs in game seven. He had 348 in the ALCS. The littlest guy in Houston is a freaking Yankee killer. I don't understand it. Huckleberry, what is going on with Altuve? Why can't we get this little bastard out? Hey, it's it's got he's got that voodoo against you. He's in your head and in... He strikes at the right time, at the right moment. I forget who it was. Somebody was like, you know he's going to end up a Yankee when his contract is up. And I was like, yeah, I've had that thought. I've had that thought. Little bastard. If you can't beat him, hey, join him. Can't beat him, buy him. You betcha. <laughs> uh, one other thing before we actually get into the World Series itself. CC Sabathia calling it a career. 251 and 161 for his career. 3.74 ERA. 3,093 strikeouts for the five-time Cy Young Award winner. Huckleberry, I loved him in New York. I know where you are there in Cleveland. You you absolutely loved him down there, although you hated to see him go when he went to Milwaukee. Any fond memories of CC Sabathia? Well, you just, you just, you know, you threw out the, the career stats there. Very, very impressive. And, and the guy just... He was in such demand. Uh, he was one of those presents that, you know, he was just so dominating and such a, a hoss that, you know, he, he demanded the respect of the batters, of its opponents and all that. And an incredible, an incredible career. Uh, and then sooner than, than later, we'll be seeing him, you know, honored with the, the entrance into the hall. And he'll be wearing a Yankees hat, I'm sure. Nationals take game one of the World Series. They, they go into Houston, steal the first one. Not like we've ever seen that happen to Houston before. Five to four, Huckleberry, this game was insane. I believe there were 12 pitchers used in this thing, which is even more astonishing when you consider that Scherzer goes five innings, Garrett Cole goes seven innings, and we still got 12 pitchers into this thing. I'm going to petition right now to Major League Baseball. We need a rule that says if you go to the bullpen, the guy's got to throw more than 10 damn pitches. There was a couple of these guys last night. They came in through like four pitches and then they switched pitchers again. It makes for the game just being too damn long on TV. Well, absolutely. And this is, you know, that's, but you look at so much that's on the line here. You don't really want to tinker with taking away the, the, you know, the chess match within baseball here. It's all about the strategy and the moves, but yeah, again, this is one of those things. I don't think maybe you, you apply it to the world series because how important it is. But we regularly see this like there, you know, like in August. And that's where we're complaining about these games that are going, what, three and a half, four hours. Uh, and when we're talking about shortening the game, you've got to kind of put some kind of cap on this thing. Uh, it's it, the conversation, and we could probably go on and on talking about, you know, should that you know apply to the World Series itself? Because what's, as I said, what's on the line here? Uh, but it, it begins to drag out. You're, you're exactly right. And it's, it's, it's going to be a long series. I think both teams realize this, so they're trying to save those arms right now and not overextend anyone in case that they need, you know, a, a certain specialty in a certain position. Four and a half hour broadcast last night. Local time, our coverage started at 6.30, and the 9 o'clock news didn't start until 11.08. My God. Well, and, and I think, you know, everyone out there, they have to realize, too, uh, it, it's much more impactful for someone like yourself that's sitting at the controls 
trying to get through the programming, get all your other work done. And I, and I know it makes for a stressful night for you at work when it, it's anything, you know, World Series, uh, football, any of these big games like that. It, you know, it directly impacts your your life. Yeah, it's a week from hell, man, because we have game two of the series tonight. And then we're going to have Thursday night football on Friday. Good God, working for a Fox affiliate right now just sucks. Max Scherzer goes five innings, gives up two runs, seven strikeouts. Garrett Cole goes seven innings, five runs, six strikeouts in the loss. But what really, really hurt him was he gave up those two home runs. Houston leaves 11 on base. The Nationals only left four. Rick, this is exactly what did in the Yankees in that series against Houston. You think Houston rebounds here tonight for game two? Well, I was, it was really interesting coming into this thing to see what we were going to get from each of the teams. I was a little concerned uh, as we talked about, you know, how the Nationals got here. They they had they rode a wave of emotion. They had to be, they had to be playing their best baseball. They were absolutely on fire going into these playoffs, and it's carried over. I mean, they have shocked the world to be here right now. Uh, you know, many people we had them written off in the play-in game. You know, the first round. I had them written they're off. They're going to be May. able to survive there. <laughs> and, hey, and they continue to you know defy and, and silence the naysayers but I, I was worried you know because they got through that sweep and they had a bit of a layoff were they going to be able to keep that momentum obviously they have here they have remained fired up and i was kind of thinking you know with with the astros were they going to be the new hot hand because they had kind of you know Though they were up against the fire there with New York and that thrilling into the series you know even though they went up for it they took the thing for it too but uh, were they going to be the new hot hand? And it obviously has shown off that the Astros have, have taken a step back here. Maybe they've got a little bit of a hangover from that Yankee series. How could you not have an emotional hangover from that series? I mean, it went from in the top of the ninth inning, the Yankees get two, they tie things up at four, and you're just like, oh, God, here we go. This thing's going to end up going seven. And then in the bottom of the ninth, you get the exact opposite end of the spectrum when Altuve hits that walk-off. I mean, they're... they're emotions very well could have just ran out in that series against the Yankees. If the Washington Nationals go in there and win again tonight, is there any chance that they just sweep out Houston? Uh, that would be uh, one of the and I, it's, hard, it's hard to say this because they've surprised us at every step, but it would be an absolute shocker if we see the Astros get just cleanly swept out of this thing. I, I don't I think there's very little chance that happens. I think there's very little chance, but I do think that it is a possibility that people could start to consider because I could absolutely see where Houston just cannot get up for this series. Let's talk a little bit about the NBA. NBA tipped off last night, Huckleberry. Only two games on the docket and, well, at least the second game delivered. The first game actually goes to overtime as the Raptors down the Pelicans 130-122. to But that was absolutely not the story here. The story was we had no Zion Williamson. Torn right lateral meniscus. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. We talked about it on this show just a couple of weeks ago. I was worried about, you know, his sustainability inside inside of the league. Didn't want to see him become Jamal Mashburn. Rick, I'm getting a little worried now. Six to eight weeks to start the season? Well, it's, as you're talking, you know, just about the, the game itself, and we'll get to Zion here. Uh, you got to imagine when the league was anticipating this thing, you, you've got the the defending champs without the star that got them there, or, you know, not necessarily, you know, that made, well, he was the face of that franchise there. Uh, and then you got coming in the new hot hand, you know, this, this young upstart group down there in New Orleans that everyone's going to get behind. And, and they're in the great leader in Zion. 
and all that's gone. And, and now we're just left with the, the Raptors and the Pelicans to open this thing. Uh, as you said, I mean, an overtime game, but it just didn't have that luster. And that obviously is because Zion is gone there. You were all over this thing. You're worried about his frame. I tried to remain positive, thinking he'd work through this. This is absolutely uh, devastating, devastating in so many ways, just you know, for the Pelicans, for the league, for the sponsors all around to see this. You kept making comparisons, you know, with the injuries and all this. This is really screaming to me now, and it hopefully it doesn't go to these extremes, is Greg Odom. Oh, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. I mean, because you, you've you know you've made you know mention of individuals that have had fairly decent careers, uh, but they were hindered by injury. Maybe never saw that great potential. You get to someone like Odom. I mean, they never even had an opportunity. Yeah, never even stood a chance straight out of the box. Uh, as far as the Raptors go, Pascal Siakam, one of my favorite names in all of the NBA, thirty-four points in thirty-eight minutes. But I guess the real number is 130, a four-year extension for $130 million for Pascal Siakam. Rick, this is kind of goes back to what we were talking about on in the locker room a couple of weeks ago when it comes to uh, NBA players versus, you know, Brock Lesnar and his salary inside of the WWE. Four years and $130 million for Pascal Siakam. Well, I- I'm speechless. <laughs> what, what do you even say to that? You, you know? Yeah. And, and you go back to, okay, why aren't people, you know, why aren't like these caliber of athletes, you know, even interested or pursuing, um, you know, professional wrestling this right here. I mean, you got someone barely pronounced his name. you never even heard of before. And you look at these financials, well, it's happening here. Hey, but, so I guess sign these deals while you can in case that Chinese money never comes back. Yeah, yeah. The Chinese, they did cancel opening night inside of the NBA. No plan to uh, air any of these games. This story is going to be uh, very, very interesting to watch as it keeps developing further and further into the season. Clippers take down the Lakers, 112-102. Game was actually closer than that. It was tied at 85 going into the fourth quarter. And then the Lakers just disappeared. I don't know where the hell LeBron went in the fourth quarter. I don't know where AD went in the fourth quarter. Only one that really did anything was Danny Green. Danny Green goes off for 28 points. Kawhi debuts with 30 for the Clippers. But the real stat, Rick, this is just insane to me. The Clippers bench outscores the Lakers 60 to 19. We were worried about that Lakers bench, and this is why. Well, absolutely. And you're talking about in this fourth quarter, well, if you're not getting any production out of your bench, you're going to lose your legs early in the season here. And and that's something that the Lakers are going to have. A, it's going to be a, a huge concern throughout this season with them. And, and this was the, you know, if we look at, you know, what the stars did here expected, this is what, that's what I expected from, you know, that from, you know, the debut with Leonard or, you know, with AD and, and LeBron right in that area, obviously Danny Green, a big surprise, but the shocker here is that you look at the this dominance from the Clippers bench, and, and that's the big game changer. Uh, I was talking with our good friend Jimmy T, and he was just ragging on LeBron last night. And it's like, dude, LeBron went for 18 points, had like nine rebounds, eight assists. Danny Green has 28. Anthony Davis has 25. If LeBron's going to play the point, 20 and 10, that's pretty much what I'm looking for out of LeBron every night. 
well, as you said, we've got to get more distribution and more contribution from the bench there. And, and that's was the number one concern. You know, everyone was hyped. You can look you can look at those those marquee players and all that. But where is your substance? I guess my other question is, how does Paul George fit into this thing? Kawhi Leonard goes off. He scores 30 points. Yeah, the bench goes out and they put up 60. But I'm trying to figure out where Paul George's points are going to come from. Because you're not going to get like another 30 points added on to this. It's not like if Paul George was playing that all of a sudden the Clippers are going to score 140 points. I'm trying to figure out where this 25 points a game is going to come from from Paul George that's not going to just disrupt the Clippers. Well, I don't I don't think you're going to get a disruption there because you're going to see a shift in playing time and contributions by individuals on the bench. I think if you realize, hey, if, if you got George in there and he's going for 25 He's going for 30 and you can still remain, you know, rely and maintain that 30 from the bench. You're just as satisfied. You know, it doesn't matter where they're coming from. You just got to keep, you know, sustaining those those solid numbers. Clearly, you, the real difference maker in this game was we didn't have Kyle Kuzma. We would have had Kyle Kuzma. You know, things would have been different. At least that's what I'm telling myself. Uh, any any cause for panic in Lakerland at this point? I mean, I know it's just one game, but. It was also that opening game against the Clippers in your own house. I think I don't think there's any reason for panic now. As you said, it's a long, long season. I think had the Lakers won this game, there would be a little bit more of urgency on the Clippers side of of the spectrum here. As you know, they want to come out hot. They want to be the ones to to really set that tone, uh, to pick up that momentum early. I think that it was more pressure on them. The Lakers, you know, they're, they're experienced. They got the vets. They're going to shrug this thing off, and they're going to just keep on rolling forward. Danny Green, 28 points. Not going to get that every night. This thing could have been real ugly. Speaking of ugly, let's talk about uh, the NCAA football schedule. My God, Rick, I, I just I don't understand. Wisconsin gets beat by Illinois? The Illinois fighting Illini. I realize this was in Champaign, but my God, 24 to 23 down goes Wisconsin. And Rick, I guess my immediate concern goes to your Ohio State Buckeyes. Suddenly, Wisconsin isn't nearly as sexy. Like that loss that Michigan had to Wisconsin suddenly looks a whole lot worse. Now, if Ohio State goes out there and beats Wisconsin this weekend, it doesn't mean nearly as much. Rick, what is the status of the Big Ten with just a couple of weeks to go? Well, I'd say you know, what really surprised me is the reaction from a, a vast majority of fans that were kind of excited for this thing. And I was real quick, you know, even when we even before the finish of the game, I sit there and said, "You need Wisconsin. We need as Buckeye fans, anyone in the Big Ten. You want Wisconsin to pull this thing off because what this does, this could throw a serious wrench in anything for the Big Ten." Uh, you got some serious battles coming up here, and it's just not starting this week with Ohio State versus Wisconsin because they're going. To, the Badgers are going to want to come back and jump into this thing. They realize they're going to have to win out, win the Big Ten championship to even be considered in this conversation. Will they? Will they be in the conversation even if they do that? Well, I, I think you'd have to keep the Big Ten champ in that conversation. But taking a loss to Iowa, it's not like your one loss came in the regular season to a Penn State or Ohio State, and then you went and won the championship. We're talking about the Illini here. The big tw- the Big Tens keeps uh, knocking each other off here. They're going to be completely out of this playoff picture. This is how Notre Dame ends up playing their damn way back into this thing. Or you get a Big Twelve representative in Oklahoma who goes out there in the college football playoff and just gets embarrassed. 
Well, and then obviously, and then you even got with these one losses and talking about strength of schedule and who got you know who got you. Uh, hell, you could see the the Pac twelve or the was it the twelve or the ten? I can't even remember. I think they're the twelve now. Okay, well the Pac. You can no, see the no, Pac. Nobody cares Pac- about college football on the West Coast at this point. It's so down. No, you can see them getting, you know, trying to get themselves back into this conversation. Uh, but yeah, this is a this is a negative on all accounts for for the Big Ten football. The only redeeming quality that the Big Ten has at this point is Penn State. Penn State goes out; they end Michigan's college football playoff hopes, twenty eight twenty one. I don't know how they won this game, Rick. I was looking at the box score for this game: Michigan four hundred and seventeen to Penn State's two hundred and eighty three yards for the game. Passing yards two seventy six to one eighty two. Rushing one forty one to one oh one. Time of possession: Michigan thirty seven forty five. Penn State twenty two fifteen. Michigan literally won every category inside of this box score, except for the one that counts. Well, and that's the only one that you need to win is is the points. Uh, you pick up that W by outscoring your opponent. You don't have to be all that impressive, you know, throughout the box score. It's just that one column, and that's where they dominated. They took advantage of big plays. They they were there at key moments, and it and it went to their advantage. So I'm gonna say now, there's only two teams inside of the Big Ten that stand a chance of making it into the playoff, and it's gonna be Ohio State and Penn State. Well, and then you got them coming up here November 23rd. Uh, it's going to be the big showdown. The big showdown. It's very telling. Uh, you were talking about Michigan here as well. Yeah, they are. You know, they were one of those dark horses. I mean, they had to win everything out here, win the Big Ten championship. They're done. Now they're done. They're absolutely done. The only thing that they can do now is, you know, at best is to hope to play spoiler. The, you know, they they can still got Ohio State. So if Ohio State is riding high there, and at this point, obviously, uh, the only thing that's going to save. Jim Harbaugh's job is a win against Ohio State, and that's still and that still might be, uh, you know, up for debate uh, at this point. Interesting stat with Harbaugh: one now one in ten against top ten teams. I also would be worried about that Penn State game for either whoever comes out as the winner between Ohio State and Penn State, because whoever wins that game is then going to have to go on and play in the Big Ten championship game. And I could real easy see somebody going out there after a big game against, you know, either Ohio State or Penn State. You come out, you win that game, and then you go to the Big Ten championship game and you just lay an egg. I could absolutely see how the Big Ten is going to get left out of this thing. Well, if you're looking at Ohio State, who I would, is the favorite uh, to be in that position, I mean, you've got, you got Penn State, then you got Michigan, and then you got the Big Ten championship game. I mean, even with Michigan down, I mean, it's still, you know, one of the grandest rivalries in all of sports. And that's a hell of a stretch right there. Yeah, that is one hell of a stretch. This week, Ohio State has number 13, Wisconsin, coming to town. That was going to be my marquee game of the week. But now I guess my marquee game of the week is going to feature two top 10 teams coming from the SEC. Number nine, Auburn, going to at number two, LSU. I think LSU is just going to beat the freaking pants off of them. And then, Rick, we have a trap game. I've got this thing circled. Arkansas at number one, Alabama. Now, I realize most people are going to be like, come on, Jargo. Arkansas is going to beat Alabama. Two was out. Two was out for three weeks. Evidently, he had this procedure done last year on one ankle. This year, he has it done on the other ankle. 
Tua is going to be gone for three weeks. Is there any chance that Alabama just plain gets gotten these three weeks? Well, I'll tell you what's nice. Uh, looks like on the 26th here, we have got uh, Arkansas. I, I think that they could put me or you in a quarterback at this point with, with that receiving core, with that offense, uh, that defense right now. I think they're, they're going to cruise through this one. Uh, so you got this week off. Then they actually have a bye week. They're, they're going to rest. Um, then on November 9th, you have the big showdown with LSU. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't know, man. There's something about this Arkansas game that screams trap game to me. Looking forward to that LSU game. No Tua. Feels like a perfect storm for Alabama to go get got. Well, and, and you know, another thing here, too. I mean, we were talking about this last week a little bit. Let's say that LSU does, uh, that they get Alabama. Um, that puts Alabama in position with one loss to who would then become the undisputed number one ranked team in the world. Uh, LSU, they would go on to win the SEC championship as everything would be planned out. You get into the argument with these one-loss teams, Alabama slides into that that final playoff spot. Yep, and it's all because Wisconsin had to go and get beat at Illinois. Just stupid. Notre Dame at number 19, Michigan. Rick, this is a big one for Jim Harbaugh, too. I feel like Michigan has to win this game against Notre Dame. Like, the, the, this is not an option. If he wants to keep his job, even if he beats Ohio State, he's going to have to beat Notre Dame, too. Yeah, it, it is going to be – this is a big week for them. I was talking about playing spoiler, just not for potentially Ohio State. It's a spoiler here. Uh, Notre Dame cannot take another loss. No, there's no way. Going into the big house? I don't know, man. Which way do you fall on that one? If you had to pick a winner, Notre Dame at Michigan, I I feel like I'm leaning Notre Dame, but it's real close. Well, I think we're going to see a game that's going to be decided in the the closing minutes. I don't think we're going to see dominance on either end here. It's going to be – I'm not expecting like a high-scoring game as well. I think it's going to be pretty much a dogfight, low-scoring right down to the end. But I I do agree with you, Jargo. I'm leaning towards Michigan at home. And, and this is just an absolute, you know, this this could be make or break for Jim Harbaugh. Yep, I think it is without any question. Week seven of the NFL in the books. Got a couple of games here I wanted to talk to you about. Number one, the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers take out the Raiders 42-24. to 24. And Rick, if there was ever a misleading score, it is certainly this one. This all came down to the car fumble. Right before halftime, you and I had this conversation. And the most Raiders play of all Raiders plays, Derek Carr goes running for the end zone. He dives for the pylon, ends up going out of bounds. But before he does, he drops the football. Drops the football, it lands in the end zone, it bounces out of the end zone, which is a touchback for Green Bay. Green Bay gets the ball right before half, goes right down the field and scores. This could have been a very different game going into halftime, and the Raiders just never recovered. Well, I think it's the fumble of fumbles, uh, if you want, because they were never able to bounce back. I mean, it really changed the entire course of the game here. It almost looked like they were lost out there in the second half. And Green Bay, you know, they're, you know, right now they're sharks. Uh, You give them an opportunity like this, they're going to smell blood. They're going to attack. They're going to take advantage of it. And that's what they absolutely did here. Aaron Rodgers goes 25 of 31. 429 yards, five touchdowns through the air. Oh, yeah, and then he ran for a touchdown, too, because early in the game, one of the Raiders got him for a sack and did the the championship belt taunt back at Aaron Rodgers. 
pissed him off. You don't want to piss off. Hey, Aaron. It's just how it goes. Cowboys get past the Eagles 37-10. to 10. And Rick, again, this game was a whole lot closer than this. The Eagles give up 21 points off of turnovers. But I guess what we really got to talk about here is Carson Wentz. They went and they paid Carson Wentz all this money. Rick, in his last 18 starts, he's 8-10. and 10. The Eagles have been outscored by 75 points in the last two weeks, resulting in two losses. What the hell is going on with the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, and I know the argument that you're going to get there. And last week we talked about this, and we both were in agreement that we're not buying it anymore. Uh, and the Eagles go round and round. They, they lost some games this year because obvious drop passes that were just, I mean, in the hands of the wide receivers. Their top guys are out, but that's not an excuse. You need to be prepared as a team. Make sure you're spending wisely, that you've got depth, that you're going to be able to handle yourself in these situations. And a quarterback here like Wentz, I mean, you're getting that payday like that. You are expected to step up. You have got to carry this thing and stop looking for all these different outs for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of this injury excuse. I mean, Geronimo Allison could barely walk this week. We had no Devontae Adams playing for Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers still goes out, throws for five touchdowns, runs for one more, 429 yards. But, you know, Philly's injuries are so much worse. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Injuries are part of the game. Well, it's, you know, you get to that quarterback position with someone like Wentz, and I love the comparison you're making there. Aaron Rodgers is stepping up. He's playing for that contract. He realizes that, yeah, there is a lot more on him, so he's got to play at a different level. Uh, where you're seeing a lot of these other quarterbacks getting these, these huge paydays thrown at them, and it, it, it separates them. They're not the true stars you know, or you know, franchise key players that you're expecting them to be. How about them bipolar Cowboys? The Cowboys now 11-5 and five with Amari Cooper in the lineup, and Rick, I just... I don't know with Dallas anymore. One week they come out and they look like they might be the best team in the league. The next week they come out and they look like they can get beat by the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, I don't know what the hell is going on with the Dallas Cowboys at this point. Yeah, everything is up in the air down in the big D. Uh, they looked impressive this week, but going back those last couple of weeks, you're just like, okay, where where is this team come from? And it just looks like an amateur. It was this, you know, comedy hour. Uh, but yeah, they, they look, they look good here and this was a big one for them, you know, to go get that against the, an Eastern rival. Very big win. Let's talk about the best team in the league, not called the new England Patriots. I'm talking about the new Orleans saints, the new Orleans saints go into Chicago and they whip the bears ass. All right. The score might be 36 to 25, but a lot of that 25 was an absolute garbage time for Mitchell Trubisky. Saints have won five straight with Teddy two gloves. Breeze is due back soon. And again, no Alvin Kamara, no Jared Cook, just Teddy two gloves taking the city of New Orleans on his back and carrying them through the trenches that is the Chicago Bears. Rick, I, I feel like comeback player of the year. This is a lock for Teddy Bridgewater at this point. The real question is, is Drew Brees going to get his damn job back? I asked you this a couple of weeks ago, and you look at me like I'm nuts. They're 5-0 and with Teddy Two Gloves. Well, that's that's fine, and, and that's great. Uh, I still – you. I don't, I don't think anyone loses a job over an injury, especially when that individual's name is Drew freaking Brees. Uh, this is it's great that, that Bridgewater's getting this, you know, he's getting this credit. He's getting this recognition. He's holding in there. But this is more about a system. And this is more of a credit to a coaching staff 
that knew how to make adjustments and they're throwing different packages out there. They're keeping people on their toes. And you, you like to you throw out there, I guess, record-wise, yes, your Patriots stand at the top of the league. But I think if they line up one-on-one this weekend, I got the Saints big time over your boys. I think they are hands down the best team in the league. Nope. And, and that speaks to an entire system. Nope. Nope. That New England secondary would eat up Teddy Two Gloves. I love me some Teddy Two Gloves, but that, that Patriots secondary is something else. I think that they would be okay with it, and especially when we get down to when they could lock up and you're going to have Breeze back in there. That's going to change a lot with about you know the looks you get from your secondary. On the other hand, there is the Chicago Bears. Rick, everybody told me how, how much of a genius Matt Nagy was. I look at the play calling in this game. Seven rushing attempts. They ran the ball seven times at home and asked Mitchell Trubisky to throw the ball 52 times to beat the New Orleans Saints. You could have had Patrick Mahomes. You could have had Deshaun Watson. But no, you took Mitchell Trubisky. Can we get off the Trubisky train at this point? Like, I think Mitchell Trubisky might be the worst quarterback inside of the NFL. He looks like a third-string quarterback out there this week against the Saints. Well, very, very funny that you threw this in the run here. Uh, rumblings from the Cincinnati area, from Southern Ohio, that there has been a conversation between the Bears and the Bengals about a possibly uh, Chicago acquiring Andy Dalton. Come on. Come on. Come on. That, there's a those are the those are the rumblings that, that are going around this morning. Uh, do you get, I would do you put get much stock in that. back then? Do you, do you get Trubisky back in the deal, or do you go with like who, no, who's no. the who's the backup quarterback? Is it still AJ McCarron? No, he's gone as well. What in the hell happened to that kid? I thought that kid was going to be something special, and he never even like got a chance to play. Uh, yeah, he did. He, there was quite a few times, uh, you know, that we, we the, the fan base, uh, many were kind of rallying around him, you know, give him the reins, let him see what he can do there, so, you know, late in Marvin's tenure. Uh, it never came about, and I believe uh, we sent him to Buffalo, and uh, that just did not pan out up there as well. Good old Buffalo. Second best team in the league, according to the record. Don't buy that at all. Let's talk about the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Um, we, we talk about the bipolar Cowboys. I, the Seahawks are like, they've got a personality disorder. The Ravens go into Seattle and beat them 30 to 16. Rick, last week we were talking about Russell Wilson as, you know, you might as well lock him up. He's the MVP of the league. There's no question about this here. And then Lamar Jackson goes up there and just makes him look like a damn fool. Yeah. And again, the Seahawks. We weren't really so high on them coming into the season. They, they really persuaded us. We, we had them right up there. We're giving you know, all the credit to to Russell and, and, to, and to the coaching staff and management. And this is almost you kind of get that same sense that you do with, with the Cowboys. You just don't know what you're going to get here. Okay, but I, I think there is absolutely a pattern here, and it's a pattern that nobody talks about, and I don't understand why. Pete Carroll cannot beat running quarterbacks. He had absolute fits with Colin Kaepernick when he was in San Francisco. He had absolute fits with Vince Young when he was at USC. And Lamar Jackson goes out here and just lights him up. Like, is 
the solution to beating the Seattle Seahawks is that you just need your own Russell Wilson? I guess, you know, that's a tremendous point that you that you bring up there, Jargo. And I guess it gets down to the containment packages that they're that they're trying to implement there in Seattle or um, maybe, you know, all the way around. Because, you, as you mentioned, it goes back to the days at USC they had trouble with a variety of, you know, mobile running backs, especially there in Vince Young. There's no way um, you'll convince me that that Texas team was better than that USC team. They just were that night at that specific time. Well, and it, and you talk about, you know, we were making mention of true star players elevating. I mean, that was young show. I mean, he took yeah. over and just do- completely dominated that thing almost damn near on his own. I know, you know, it is a true, you know, team sport. But when you're obviously you're out there shining like that bright, uh, it, it was very evident. And tremendous point that you brought up there. It brings up another point. You know, if, if you know you've got a – a more of a, a steady pocket passing quarterback and but his backup can move or do you bring in more of a wildcat system to take down the Seahawks? You know, all of a sudden I'm looking at Arizona as a real threat to the Seattle Seahawks. I could see Kyler Murray just torch in Seattle for one reason or another, completely unexplainable. But there's absolutely a pattern here now. Like Pete Carroll just cannot figure out those those kind of quarterbacks. The thing that Arizona doesn't have going for them is the Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, has done just a fantastic job with Lamar Jackson. Everybody wants to talk about how great Lamar Jackson is. We need to talk about Greg Roman. Uh, Greg Roman was also Colin Kaepernick's offensive coordinator out in San Francisco when he was just lighting the world on fire. It's like Greg Roman absolutely knows how to use these quarterbacks. You look at Lamar's stats this week, through the air, not all that impressive. But on the ground, he just torched Seattle for like 116 yards rushing. Uh, absolutely. A yeah, great performance, great standout. And again, you know, it's what you're, bringing, what you're bringing to the set. So let's take a look at a couple of this week's games because, Rick, week eight, it's just not that good. Like when I, I look at this slate of games and I was just like, ew, it, it's one of those weeks. Thursday night football this week. Boy, I tell you what, they got to be thrilled to have this game. Kirk Cousins makes his long-awaited return to Washington as the Vikings go in to take on the Washington Redskins. Uh, did Did you get to see any of the Redskins game this week? Uh, just bits and pieces. Just saw the highlights of it. The only highlight from the whole damn game was that one defensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers sliding on his belly on the muddy field further than anybody from Washington could run the football. It was an absolute mess. The thing that's ridiculous about that game, Washington scored zero points and still covered the spread. It was only nine to nothing, and the spread was like 12. Uh, the Browns are going to take on the Patriots this week. Rick, this thing is New England plus 12 and a half. 12 and a half against the Cleveland Browns. Why, why are you guys even going hey. to Foxborough? Why are you even going? Why not, why not just call this thing in, take another bye week? Still the power of positivity uh, flowing through the veins of the Cleveland Brown faithful. This is this is an absolute moment where they can shock the world. Shock the world. They're going to go up there. They're going to play. They're going to play their minds out, man. They're going to play beyond anything we've seen from Cleveland Brown football. This is going to. It's going to be a tremendous, tremendous victory when they cover the spread. 
Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen either. I think the Patriots are just going to whip their ass. The real over-under on this game is what are the odds that Freddie Kitchens is fired on Monday because the Patriots just absolutely embarrassed the Browns coming off of a bye week because I think that's a very, very real possibility at this point. Are they talking about that in Cleveland at all? Not hearing a lot of the rumblings there. I, I haven't been up north here in a couple of weeks, been busy down in southern Ohio, uh, but, you know, still – keeping some conversations open, trying to, you know, keep, keep in with the pulse of the, of the Browns nation of the dog pound. Uh, but no panicking quite yet. Uh, and I don't know if it's just not panic or it's just, it, it's, it's the Browns way of life. <laughs> Brown's going to Brown. Uh, Eagles are going to take on the bills in Buffalo, Buffalo by one and a half. If I was betting, there's no way I would go anywhere near this game because you have no idea what Philly team is going to show up. But this is must win for the Eagles, right? Like well, we, we They have about, to know, win here. We talked about last week is a big must-win situation for Philadelphia. Uh, and now each and every week as we get deeper into the season, we are approaching the playoffs. Um, the countdown is on for, for Philadelphia. Let me pull up here real quick. I mean, we're looking like there's a real possibility. I was looking at their schedule last night. They could end up like four and seven. Yeah. um, Under the 500 here. And you you don't want to keep giving up any ground to Dallas. Um, I mean, they they could close this thing out here with a couple weeks unless Philly gets their act together. Yeah, it's going to be scary. Broncos at Colts. Yeah, this is one of the featured games of the week. Rick Jacoby Brissett. Just absolutely lighten things up for the Indianapolis Colts. Colts plus six at home. I actually thought that seemed a little bit low. Panthers at 49ers, five and a half. I don't understand that one at all. The 49ers might be the best team in the NFL that barely anybody is talking about, even though they're unbeaten. 49ers only five and a half at home over Carolina? I know you're, I know you're liking on Carolina more than I am, but I don't like this one. Well, what's really good to me is to see that it's this close. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of your your obvious, your your go-to Vegas bet of the week, uh, especially with a team going coast to coast. Yeah. Seems seems very odd. Raiders at Texans. This one's six and a half in favor of Houston. That, that This is going to be one of my locks. I mean, the Houston Texans at home against the Raiders. Sean Watson, he's going to absolutely light that place up. Uh, and then we have Sunday night football, you know, they, they tried to smile on NBC and give them a big marquee game this week. Unlike what they did to Fox, giving them the cousins bowl as they returned to Washington. This was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night. That's not the case though. This is going to be Aaron Rodgers and Matt Moore going for Kansas city chiefs four and a half at home. I don't like that one at all. I like Green Bay to go in there and win this thing straight up. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. But this is still an intriguing matchup to see, you know, how are the Chiefs going to be able to to thrive without Mahomes back there? You know, this is going to – it's certainly going to change the system. Are they going to be able to adapt? But, I mean, there's still – that's the interest, the intrigue, why we're going to tune into this thing. But I am with you. I'm not going to be surprised one bit. Uh, as, as, you know, I just mentioned previously, Green Bay – They've been there. They've done this. They're hungry. They're sharks. 
blood in the water, they're going to come for you on the attack. I'm loving that Green Bay Packers running game, and I expect that they are going to run up and down the field on that Kansas City defense. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to go in there and throw for five touchdowns and run for one more like he did this week against the Raiders, but I absolutely expect the Packers to, to go in there and just dominate time of possession and just go to work on that Kansas City defense, which sucks. I mean, that's what's going to hold Kansas City back. That defense is awful. This is going to be this is going to be dipping and diving. You're going to be jabbing. You're not going to be looking for those big knockout punches from Green Bay. And as we've seen, you know how teams are beating the Chiefs is you keep that offense off the field. Uh, obviously, this is a different offense, but when the, when their Chiefs offense is on there, they're going to feel so much pressure from this incredible, arguably best in the league Green Bay defense. Yeah, everybody laughed at me when I was talking up that Green Bay defense this offseason. Look at them now! Out there just absolutely wreaking havoc. Let's go ahead, let's throw it over to the Stone Cold Locks. Hit me with it, Steve. Give me a hell yeah! Well, Rick, you know, I already said I'm taking the Houston Texans this week. I I don't like the Raiders going into Houston at all. And I'm going to stick with, you know, my very, very sound strategy that I have going here for the Stone Cold Locks. Taking the Patriots. Basically, whoever's playing against the Cleveland Browns, chances are I'm going to take the other team. But this week, it's the freaking Patriots. Yeah, unfortunately, I have them off my board. Uh, but I'm going to go with uh, you know, two games that we just talked about here. Uh, I'm going to take the 49ers. I obviously really like them at home. Uh, Panthers going across the country. Not really sure. You know, the Panthers are one of those week-to-week teams. So I'm going to ride the uh, the Niners there. Uh, and then I'm also going to go with the Texans who are hosting the Raiders, two games that we just talked about. Is Cam done? Is, is Cam just done? I mean, I think, you know, it's it, as I was saying, though, it's it, it's so hard to say you've lost a job because of an injury. But this has been a, a growing issue. It's not like this is the first time that, that the team's still thriving. You know, the team is going in a better direction. And he and he just don't get that solid performance from him from time to time. It's it, I mean it's Superman or you know Bizarro. Well, said. there's like no no middle. Well said. We're just going to stop there. That's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. Search Hitting the Marks on your favorite podcast listening device. Find us Mondays in the locker room right here, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Be sure that you subscribe to that feed as well. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. RBV, if people want to give you a hard time about how bad the Cincinnati Bengals are, how do they find you? Well, hey, you don't have to harass me on that thing. I'm embracing it here. I'm looking forward to the Ofer Falls, December 22nd. Bengals travel to Miami. I don't want anything to ruin that. I, I need these teams to stay focused and reminded. Uh, I don't need the Bengals to get all caught up in the glitz and the glamour of going over to London this week. We need you to, to play like you play like you would here in the States, like you would in the jungle. Do not let us down by going out there and upsetting the Rams across the drink. Uh, but are you but worried about always. that one at all? Like, if you're the Rams, like, because that's a long travel, man. Los Angeles to London. Like, I, I realize it's long for Cincinnati too, but could Cincinnati go out here and pull off a shocking upset against the Rams? Would it surprise you that much? No, it's not going to happen. The Rams are going to buckle down here. They, they got they have to remain focused. They're playing under the, the grand the grand stage of Wembley Stadium. Uh, so this is this is their this is their time. 
We'll talk to you later on this weekend on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Hittingthemarks.com. Monday inside the locker room. Hackerhameen.podbean.com. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!